We are going to continue on this morning with our series we've been doing, Contagious Christianity. Everyone say, Contagious Christianity. Praise the Lord. And uh, this is the last part of our series. And so by way of review, in your notes, which you don't have yet, I've just realized because I haven't handed them out yet. So if I can get someone to come and help me with this. Praise the Lord. In your notes, by way of review, we have across the top our equation for evangelism. Everyone say HP plus plus equals, right, HP plus CP plus CC equals MI, high potency, plus close proximity, plus clear communication, equals maximum impact. Everyone say maximum impact. And we spoke about how high potency and close proximity is. We see that in the scripture when Jesus says we are the salt of the earth. Amen. And then also clear communication. He says we are the light. We are to be clear with what we communicate, amen. Another way of looking at this is high potency is what you are. Close proximity is what you do. Clear communication is what you say. And maximum impact is what you want, amen. Praise the Lord. So last week, if you remember, I finished up briefly. I talked about four steps to building a bridge of friendship. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care, and be ready to share. And so we're going to quickly go through that this morning. And then at the last part of this morning's um, session, we're going to talk about how do you actually share? What's some practical ways you can share the gospel with someone else? Amen. The good news that Jesus died, came to save them, and that there is a way of salvation that's open to them. Amen. Because it's when someone asks you, So tell me about this gospel that you believe in. Tell me about this church that you belong to. You want to tell them the gospel when you got the opportunity, amen? You don't want to miss your opportunity. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But how to build a bridge of friendship. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them for me? I'm going to go to the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, and we're going to read verse 9. Everyone say amen when you're with me. Amen. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. A man's heart devises his way. 
but the Lord directs his steps. Or maybe if I read it in the NIV, it might give you a little bit more clarity. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Amen. How to build a bridge of friendship. Here's the thing. Good friendships are usually intentional rather than accidental. Amen. Good friendships are usually intentional rather than accidental. You have to show some intention. You know what I mean by intentional? You got to take concrete steps to work towards the goal that you want to achieve. Now, if you want to have a friend, you have to take concrete steps to developing that friendship. Amen. Let me give you a classic example here. What happens if you've got two people who are in school? They will become very good friends usually, right? You're, you know, for those of you who are in school or, or people who have left school recently, you might even remember the name of your best friend. Like I can remember the name of some of my friends when I was in high school. And we were very close because we were in the same class and we had the same interests and, and we spent time together. Amen. But what happens when you leave school or when you leave school and you move to a different town? Or you leave school and you move to a different country even. You're on the other side of the world. What happens if you are not intentional about maintaining that friendship? You drift apart, don't you? You no longer know everything that's going on in that person's life. You don't communicate as often unless you are intentional and you say, Okay, I want to keep this relationship. I am going to make an effort to call you every single week. And that is how you show intention. You take concrete steps towards making that happen. Amen. Everyone say intentional. And so developing friendships with unbelievers, now this is people outside of the church, it often requires going the second mile, taking some risks, and moving outside your own comfort zones. Now that's not something that humans like to do, is move outside our comfort zones. Amen. If you don't believe me, then on Monday afternoon, let's go bungee jumping together. I'll tie your ankles up and push you over the edge. We'll see how far out of your comfort zone you are. Amen? We don't like being pushed outside of our comfort zone. We like to have the ground underneath our feet. Amen? And it's the same thing when you are wanting to develop friendships with people out there. It's, sometimes you've got to be a little bit uncomfortable and you've got to push yourself out there and say, Hey, I want to be your friend. And you've got to make an effort. You've got to be interested in their life. You've got to be intentional. Amen? And because we are very busy, we are busy. Amen? If you're not busy, come to me and I'll, uh, I'll give you some more stuff to do. Because I'm busy. And because we live, lead such busy lifestyles, you have to have some planning involved to be able to cultivate friendships with unbelievers. Because if you don't plan, it just won't happen. You know that, how often you're just planning on doing something, but you're not really putting a plan in place. You're just like, oh yeah, I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that. But you don't put anything intentional in place. What happens? Time goes, time goes, time goes, time goes. And before you know it, it's the end of the year already, amen? I mean, hasn't this year just gone by so fast? Amen? I mean, as you get older, I'm finding that time just goes faster and faster and faster. And so we have to plan. And this is what the Bible is telling us in Proverbs chapter 16. It's saying we should make our plans 
counting on God to direct us. And so when you make plans to develop a relationship with somebody, you understand that if you are living your life in surrender to God, if you are living your life as a witness of Jesus, if you are living your life as a disciple, as you go around intentionally making friends with people, some of those people God is going to be able to direct and God is going to be able to direct, direct you so that you can witness to them, so you can reach for them. But God is the one who directs. Amen. And we're going to talk a bit more about that. So here is the four steps that you can use to be intentional about creating friendships with people outside. Amen. So there are four steps to being intentional about creating these relationships with people. The first one is to become aware. Everyone say become aware. This is where that impact list that you wrote back in week one, who's actually written their impact list? Hands up. Okay. I encourage you to do that. Write a list of people who you believe would benefit from knowing God. And if you think that someone wouldn't benefit from knowing God, then please repent. Because everyone benefits from knowing God. Amen. So make an impact list. And make a list of them by name. But then realize that they are your responsibility. Amen. Think about it. The people who Sister Minnie works with. I am probably never going to meet them. I am probably never going to build a relationship with them. But by the same token, the people who I work with, Sister Minnie is never going to meet them. She's never going to build a relationship with them. And so the people that I build a relationship with, they are my responsibility. Amen. You know, so often we want God to just, you know, well, if God, there's actually a theory out there. Let me, just, let me just segue here for a second, where some churches say, well, it's okay. God will send us the people who are, who are looking for him. And, and that is true to a certain measure. Yes, some people will come because they're hungry for the things of God. But let me tell you, no fish ever jumps out of the water and lands in your bucket just because you ask it nicely. Hello? You've got to actually chuck a hook in the water if you want to catch something. You know, Brother Kenneth comes back to church on Sunday and says, Oh, Pastor, I went fishing on, on Saturday. I caught nothing. Oh, what bait were we using? Oh, no, no, I don't use bait. I just sit on the side of the water and I wait for the fish to jump out for me. It's not going to happen. Amen. It's the same thing when we're talking about being fishers of men. They're not just going to all walk in because God is calling them. God will work on their hearts, but He works through the church to go out and to reach them and to make a difference in their life. And so we have to be intentional. We have to realize that they are our responsibility. Someone say amen. amen. We need to assess each person's level of spiritual receptivity. Now, what do I mean by that? There are some people who are just not going to come to God. Now, the Bible says that He's not willing that any should perish. right? Jesus wants everybody to be saved. If He could take the whole world, He would. But there are people out there who will steadfastly refuse to talk to you about Jesus, steadfastly refuse to come to church. It's going to happen. That doesn't mean you should not be their friend. Hello? 
You need to build a relationship with them still. But understand that there is going to be some times where you're going to go, okay, well, they're just definitely not interested. You don't know what's going to happen in their life, though. Something may change that make them, may make them want God. And you can pray to that end, amen. But if you're talking to someone and you find out, oh, they're interested in God, they want to know more. Okay, well, then I can talk to them. Amen. So learn how in tune they are with their spiritual side, if that makes sense. How receptive they are to the things that are spiritual. Then you need to discover what their interests and needs are. And we spoke a little bit about this last week. You know, I, hand on heart, I'm not that interested in rugby league. I'm sorry. But if I'm reaching for someone on my impact list who is a mad keen rugby league fan and they support Cronulla Sharks, I know, I know. We'll pray for them, Brother Ken. I, I know. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to learn everything I can learn about the Sharks so I can talk to them about something that they're interested in. Amen. Amen. And it, it's just it's, it's everything. If they like to cook, learn more about cooking. If they're watching MasterChef and every time you see them, they're like, oh, did you see MasterChef? It was so incredible. Go watch a couple of episodes of MasterChef. Catch up on what's going on. Google some newspaper reports on what the latest MasterChef news is. Hello? Amen? You might find someone who's interested in world events. You might find someone who's interested in history. Now, I'm interested in history. I like history. Right? So when someone comes and talks to me and I find out they're interested in history, man, I just I get on well with them because I love history. But there's people out there who don't love history. <laughs> Amen? So all I'm saying is find out what their interests are. Then find out what their needs are. Listen to what their needs are. You know, the, God gave us one mouth and two ears. We should use them in that proportion, I've heard. Amen. We should listen more than we should talk. It is human nature to talk, 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 talk. People want to be heard. Amen. So we need to learn to listen. And when you are listening, people will identify their needs. You know, you hear someone say, oh, I hate Father's Day. That's a need. Oh, oh really? Why do you hate father? Oh, my father? My father left us when I was like three and he was absent and he was never there for me. And, you know, he beat my mom and, and all sorts of horrible stuff. That's an opportunity for you to say, well, you know what? I understand that. And I'm so sorry to hear that. But do you know that the father that I live for, Jesus Christ, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's never let me down. It's an opportunity to explore a need that someone has. Amen. That's just the first example that sprung to my mind. But there's many, many more. Listen for the needs that people have. And if it is within your power, meet them. Someone says, oh, I just, I'm so lonely. You know what? What are you doing on Friday night? Let's catch up. Let's have a coffee together. You're meeting a need. This is what the world wants. This is how you build a relationship, amen? Listen for the needs. Look for areas of common ground that you can build on. And, and I spoke about that. You know, history for me is a common thing. I love history. I don't, need someone to, I don't need to go study history so I can relate to someone who loves history. Right? It's common ground. So look for areas of common ground that you can relate to. And then figure out what kind of testimony each would respond to. Now, who did the testimony handout that I gave you last week? The testimony themes. Yeah? <clears throat> Good. 
you can tick different areas where these are areas I was struggling with in life. And then tick areas where this is the areas that God has helped me in my life. And you're able to use that to be able to go, okay, well, I could share this part of my life with them. And this is really going to resonate with them. Amen. Because we all have different testimonies. Amen. Not only do we have different testimonies, we also have many testimonies. I've got many testimonies. I've got testimonies of God's provision. I've got testimonies of God answering prayer. I've got testimonies about how God called me out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You know, there's, we all have multiple testimonies. So we're not talking about one testimony. But find out what part of your life is going to have an impact on their life when the door opens and you can share it. Amen? And then, of course, once you've become aware the next thing you need to do is you need to commit to prayer. And prayer is so important. We are never going to make a difference in this city if we are not a church that prays. We are never going to make a difference in this city if we're not a church full of people who spend time in prayer at home as well. Amen? It's too easy sometimes to just come to church and that's the only time we spend in prayer. That should not be the case. Amen? We should be spending time in prayer at home. We should be spending time in prayer with our families. We should be spending time in prayer with our kids. Amen. And when you are building a relationship with people, spend time praying about them, about the people that are on your list. Amen. Pray daily for them. Excuse me. I've got some, in your notes there, I've got some thoughts. Pray that God will draw them to Himself. And I've got some scriptures there for the sake of time. I'm not going to read them all, but I want you to go home and read these scriptures. Study them out. Pray that God would draw them to himself. Pray that God would remove their spiritual blindness. Pray that God would make their hearts receptive. Pray that you'll get the opportunity to share with them. Amen. Pray that God will give you wisdom. I tell you what, that is a prayer that God answers. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That is a prayer God honors. The number of times when someone has come to me, someone was telling me a testimony. Who was it? I know who it was. I won't embarrass them. I just remember. But the number of times someone has come to me and they've asked you one of those real humdinger of a questions. And I've gone, my Lord, I have no idea what the answer is. And in that moment, I've gone, Jesus, help me now. And God has just started dropping thoughts. And scriptures into my mind and I've been able to provide an answer for that person. Amen. God will give you wisdom if you ask. So pray for wisdom when the door opens on how to respond. Pray that God will use the words you say. You never know when something you just say just off the cuff will really resonate with someone. Amen. Then, of course, the next thing we need to do is we need to show them that you care. And that's what the world needs, isn't it? It needs people that care. This world is just a cold place, isn't it? So many people are just interested in themselves. There's not a, a real caring environment out there. And so as a church, we need to show people that we care. How do we do that? We treat everybody with respect as people, not just as prospects. And can I say, let me just segue here for a second. Don't judge people by their appearance. It's so easy to do. Let me tell you a little story. I was at McDonald's the other day, and a gentleman came in. He looked rough. 
you know, the kind. He looked like he was maybe homeless, had a rough night. And he'd come to McDonald's. He had $4. And he wanted to buy some hotcakes. And he was trying to use the kiosk, and it just wasn't working for him. He couldn't figure out how to use it. So he went and then stood at the, stood at the counters waiting for someone to help him. Not a single McDonald's employee stepped up to help him. They ignored him because of what he looked like. They just figured he's here just to waste our time. Nobody stepped up to help him based on what he looked like. I pray that as a church we're not like that. I pray that when someone comes through those doors, we don't judge them by what they look like. And we don't judge them by what their life story is. And we don't judge them from where they've come. But, but we say, hey, no, we care for you. We're going to help you. Amen. We can't be judgmental. Amen. We need to look at people as people. We need to be a genuine friend. Help them in practical ways. Practical ways. Be a good listener. It's a great way to show that you love people. Make service your aim, not recruitment. Amen. We're not here to recruit people to come to church. We're here as a church to serve people, to serve our community, to be servants to people. Amen. And so our aim needs to be service, not recruitment. Praise the Lord. Invite them to your home. Open up your house. Let them come in. Have a cup of tea with them. Cup of coffee. Have a dinner with them, a meal with them, amen. Consciously focus your concern on meeting their needs. Find out what their needs are. Go out of your way to love them until they ask you why. Why are you being so nice to me? Why are you going out of your way to look out for me? Why are you caring so much for me? There's your opportunity. Well, let me tell you, I was down and out as well. You know, I was really struggling with my life. And then, then I met this person who went to this little church, and they were just so kind to me. And they invited me along, and, and you know, I gave my life to God, and, and, and I'm living for Him now, and I've been filled with the Spirit, and I've been baptized, and my life has completely changed. And, and I just want to move on and help somebody else. Amen? It's an opportunity to witness, to reach for people. Amen? Accept people as they are without being judgmental. And I kind of talked about that a little bit already. We need to be ready to share, step four, in intentionally creating friendships. Identify yourself as a positive, joyful follower of Christ. Let me tell you, church should be an exciting place. I'm trying to drum it into Jonathan now. I tell him, we're going to church. Isn't that exciting? This morning he's like, I don't want to go. I want to stay home. I don't want to wear those socks. See my socks? I'm wearing my Father's Day socks. That's why they're white. See, it says Papa Bear on the side. Jonathan's got a matching set that says Baby Bear. He doesn't want to wear his. And so he didn't want to come to church. But I just kept going, come on, it's church time. This is exciting. Let's go. It's going to be fun. Right? We need to be like that with everybody we meet. When someone says, how was your weekend? Oh, yeah, it was all right. It wasn't long enough. Anyone else besides me ever said that? <laughs> a better response is, yeah, it was a great weekend. Someone's going to ask you, wow, why is that? Oh, because, you know, I got to go to church. Man, it was incredible. They're going to think you're crazy, yes. 
But they will also think, wow, there's something different about this person. Amen. And that's what we want. We want people to look at our lives and go, wow, there's something different about them. Amen. So identify yourself as a positive, joyful follower of Christ. Nobody wants to follow a negative, dour follower of Christ. Amen. How boring. We need to be joyful. Share a testimony when the occasion naturally arises. It will. The, the second point of this is don't force the good news. Be patient. God is working. You know, Paul wrote and he said, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Our job is not to force growth. Hello? Our job's to plant seeds. We do that through our life. When we've planted those seeds, our job can then be to water. Or maybe somebody else will water them. But ultimately, it is God that will cause those plants to grow. Amen? And so don't force the good news. We're not Bible bashers. Amen? It's one of the reasons why I'm very careful about doing street preaching and things like that. I think there's a place for it. But we don't want to be seen as you know, ramming something down someone's throat. Amen? We want to be building relationships with people, telling them about the relationship that we have with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Use crisis situations to show why we all need God. It's funny, you know, but I have found that as a Christian, that when something goes wrong in my neighbor's life, be it my literal neighbor at home or my neighbor at work or, or people at school, they seem to come to me to talk to me about it. Has anyone else ever noticed that? Yeah. Because they know that there's something about you that's different. And you can use those opportunities to say, well, you know what? I'm not perfect. I go through hard times as well, but let me tell you something that helps me. Every Sunday I go to church. I spend time in God's presence and I cast my cares upon Him. That's what the Bible says. And so I don't carry around this weight of worry and anxiety anymore. Amen. So use crisis situations. You know, offer to pray with people. When something goes wrong in someone's life, just say, hey, do you want me to pray for you? You'll be amazed how many people say, yeah, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. But I've learned something else as well. When you offer to pray, pray right then and there. I'll be honest. The number of times I've told someone, yes, yes, I'll pray for you. And then like four hours later, I've forgotten about it. Hello. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done that, right? I found that it's much more efficient if someone comes to me and says, oh, pastor, can you please pray for this? I'll say, absolutely. Let's pray right now. Let's do it right now. We don't have to be in church to pray. Amen. We don't have to, you know, spend 45 minutes developing God's presence in the room before we pray. We can pray right now. Amen. And so when someone at work says, oh, you know what? I've just found out that my mom's got cancer and she's only going to live another eight weeks. You know what? Offer. Say, hey, I'm really sorry to hear that. But, but look, I serve a God that can heal cancer. Would you like me to pray? And she'll probably say, yeah, yeah, that would be great. Then just go one step further. Okay, no, we'll tell you what. Why don't we pray right now? Don't make it a big song and dance. You know, if you're in the office, don't get down on your knees and, oh, God. No. Just quietly. Jesus, Lord, I pray for her. Find out what her name is. Pray for her. Right there. Just quietly. Just you. 
You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be super excitable. Just pray. Do it. Amen. And it will draw people to God. Praise the Lord. Someone say amen. amen. You still with me? I see some people looking concerned. <laughs> Not looking at anyone in particular. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ask questions that lead to spiritual discussions. I'm going to run out of time, aren't I? Um, concentrate on the essentials. Don't get sidetracked by hang-ups. You know, people like to do that. Oh, I go to church. Oh, right. So did you know the church was responsible for the Crusades back in the 1100s? Side issue. Right? Don't you know there's people out there that like to do that? Don't allow yourself to get dragged into those kind of things. Amen? Offer to pray with them after sharing the good news. Praise the Lord. I think I'm going to run out of time here. The next little part here, you've got three explanations there. Just ways that you can share the good news with somebody. And, and if I had more time, I would go through all of them. But here's what I'm going to do. We're going to go through number two. And I want you to study number one and number three yourself. Can you do that? Amen. This is the last series. Amen. This one here, it's called the Roman Road. Anyone ever heard of this before? The Roman Road? No? This is a great way to share the gospel, and it's all found in one book. Can you guess what book? Romans. Well done. <laughs> so you just take people through these questions. Question number one, how many people have sinned? Well, Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the answer is, all have sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. We're all sinners. Amen. Nobody's perfect. What is the eternal penalty for sin? What is the punishment that God requires for sin? Well, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is the answer to the eternal penalty from sin? It's death. Now this doesn't sound good so far, does it? But here's the thing. Before you get to the good news, you've got to know what the bad news is first. The bad news is we've all sinned. Ain't nobody here perfect. The bad news is, is that God requires death as the punishment for that sin. Here's the good news. What is the only remedy for sin? Well, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the remedy for sin is Christ's death. He took our place as an atonement. Amen. He took our place so we don't have to die. He died in our stead. Amen. Amen. And so what is the right response to God's love? Well, Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Right? So if God has paid the price for our sin, our job is simply to say, God, I'm sorry for how I've let you down. I'm sorry for my life of sin. I repent. I turn my life back to you. And that is where God's goodness, His willingness to make that sacrifice, that's where His goodness comes in. And that should lead us to repentance. Amen? 
And then how do we put an end to our old sinful life? Well, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. That's how you bury the old man. You put it behind you. It's a new life. Amen. And then where do I get the power to live this new life? Well, Romans, see, it's the Roman road. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Now that word quicken means make alive. Shall also make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Amen. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit we have the power to live a victorious Christian life. Amen. And so that's how you share with someone because it's like, okay, well, this is what is wrong with my life. This is what I need to do. I need to go and make it right. Amen. Not complicated. Nice and simple, right? Simple. 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 Amen. Now, the other two I want you to study for yourself, the, the bridge one, which is quite a common one. You might have heard that one before. And then also the four spiritual laws, which is quite a good one. So I want you to read through that as well. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand? We're coming to the end of our, our series on contagious Christianity. But before I close, I want to read you a poem while you're all standing, if that's okay. It's a good poem. It's by a man called Sam Shoemaker. Has anyone ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah, some, maybe. He was one of the, one of the men who helped start that movement. Amen. And he wrote this poem. And I think it's a good poem. It's called, So I Stay Near the Door. And it goes like this. I stay near the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there, while so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where a door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind people, with outstretched, groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stay near the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing anyone can do is to take hold of one of those blind groping hands and to put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the person's own touch. People die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they've found it, Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find Him. So I stay near the door. That's what we want our church to be. God did not save us so that we can sit back and be comfortable in our Christian walk.
But our job is to stay near the door that leads to God. And so when we see someone trying to find God, searching through, however they are searching in sometimes ways that are, are way out and wacky and crazy, and they might be into meditation and, and all sorts of weird stuff, but they're just trying to find God. It is our job to grab their hand and to put it on the door that leads to God and say, go through this door. Here's where you'll find God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes and we'll just talk to the Lord.